Welcome back to the Wednesday Block with me, Sean Kane. It's Wednesday, 1 June 2022. This week, how art impacts how we see the world around us. On Sunday, I went with my parents to see the immersive Van Gogh exhibit that's been touring around the globe for the past few years. I first heard about it when I was in Paris in May 2018 and thought about going to see it there, but ended up not paying a visit to it then. So, the following year, when it was announced that Immersive Van Gogh would be coming to Kansas City, I jumped on the opportunity and bought tickets for my family to attend. Then, the world changed in what now seems like a prolonged moment, as the COVID-19 pandemic took hold around the globe. The exhibit opening was delayed in Kansas City, and it began to slip from my mind for the next couple of years as the storms that shadowed the last few years of the 2010s burst into the troubled times that have been the hallmarks of the 2020s thus far. So, after years of anticipation, when I finally entered the immersive Van Gogh exhibit this past Sunday afternoon, I was awed to experience it. The sights and sounds combined for a truly awe-inspiring experience. We entered the gallery as Edith Piaf's Je ne regrette rien burst over the speakers, to the bright yellow hues of the, of the fields of Provence, as observed 140 years ago by the artist's eyes. I took a seat on the floor with my back to a mirror-covered pillar, and watched as the images danced across the walls and floors surrounding me. The exhibit inspired a question. Does our art influence how we perceive the world around us? And, as a historian, more importantly, Does the art of past generations influence how we today perceive the light and color and nature of past periods? Take the Belle Epoque, the age of the Impressionists like Monet and and post-Impressionists like Van Gogh. Do we understand and think of the daily reality of those periods in a way that is colored by the works of those artists? There is a Monet painting in the Nelson Atkins French collection here in Kansas City of the Boulevard de Capucines, which dates to 1873. It shows the hustle and bustle of the French capital in a manner that is both of its own time and seemingly timeless in how modern it appears. This extends in my own mind to the point that I've imagined the same scene whenever I've happened to walk down that same boulevard in the last few years. On the other hand, the images that exist of Kansas City from the 19th century are largely dominated by black and white photographs, and the odd painting by the likes of our first great local artist, George Caleb Bainham, 1811-1879. So, for how many of us are our ideas of, say, the Civil War largely just in black and white, even though the reality was in the same vibrant color as we see now today? Even in my own life, I found that there's a slight hint of faded color in my memories of the earliest days of my life, perhaps influenced by the technology available in the color photography of the 1990s, which is noticeably less radiant than the colors available today in our digital images. Art, at its most fundamental level, is a means of communication. 
It transmits memories from the creator, a historian of their own sort, to the patrons and posterity. Whether that art is expressed in painting or sculpture, sketching or cartoons, music or poetry, theater or film, and in every form of literature, both fiction and nonfiction alike, it is still at its core a transmission of knowledge and information. Through art, the dead are able to speak to us still. In art, we can experience something of the world that others live, that they see and hear and think. In the paintings of Thomas Hart Benton, 1889-1975, in my opinion the greatest Kansas City artist to date, we can see echoes of American life as he understood it in the first half of the 20th century. I can truly say that his art has influenced how I understood the Depression, World War II, and the post-war years in a way that is best described by the fact that having grown up in Kansas City, going to the Nelson and the Truman Library, I saw his art far more often than many other Americans might have. Through his paintings, Benton communicated ideas about what it means to be American, and the place of the Midwest in general, and this part of Missouri in particular, in the wider fabric of this diverse country of ours. So, what sort of message will we, in the 2020s, leave for future generations? What do we want to communicate to them? In the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking of the Stephen Foster song, Hard Times Come Again No More. Written in 1854, at a time when my home region was embroiled in the border war, known more commonly as Bleeding Kansas, one of the last preludes to the American Civil War of the 1860s. I've always thought of hard times not as a song of the 19th century, but of the Great Depression, something that I could imagine being sung by farmers fleeing the Dust Bowl here in the prairies for new lives elsewhere. Still, the fact that the stories surrounding that song can speak to different times with common troubles speaks to the power of art. Maybe it's high time we restore hard times to the charts. After all, what better description of the present could there possibly be? The Wednesday blog is written, read, and produced by me, Sean Kane, and I also came up with the theme music. You can find more information about my work at linktree slash Kane. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash S-T-H-O-S-D-K-A-N-E. There you'll find links to my website and my blog. Thanks. Thanks to my regular listeners, including monthly supporter Elizabeth Duke. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. I appreciate it. You can find links to the Immersive Van Gogh website, some of the art mentioned in this story, and my favorite recording of Hard Times by the Chieftains and Paolo Nudini in the show notes. This podcast is distributed by Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm.